15 years ago that I was cooking here at the daycare, and I told this one time in Emmaus, uh, but she had went to garage sales just looking for stuff for the daycare, just cheap stuff. So as I was sitting in my, uh, at my desk, and she walked in my desk, and she threw a box on my office. She said, here, this will give you something to do. And it was just a box about this big, and, and, and uh, I looked at it, and it was just, it was just a flat-faced box. And so I turned it over. I shook it first, and there was a bunch of pieces or something in it. Uh, it sounded like cat food rattling around, but we don't have a cat. So I turned it over, and it was, it was just a blank box again. And I said, well, what is this? She said, it's a puzzle. And she said, uh, they said all the pieces was there. This will give you something to do. And I think it was 250 pieces. And sure enough, so I took the lid off, and what it was, it was the bottoms of two different puzzle boxes. And so I, I, I opened it up, and sure enough, there was a lot of pieces there, and I dumped it on my desk, but the problem was there was no picture of what I was putting together. I didn't know if it was a butterfly or a bulldozer. I didn't know, and she didn't know. They just assured there's a piece of masking tape on the box that says all the pieces are there, and I think she gave five cents for it. And so sure enough, it gave me something to do. And so uh, I began to put it together. And so the, the idea this morning is that, that I want to talk to you for a little bit is the question is really kind of what, what is God up to in, in our life? What is God up to? And I'm not talking about the election of the COVID virus. I'm talking about what is God doing in your life that's, that's way greater than, than what you're seeing. Because the things of God, he said, the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. It's not things you can taste, touch, feel. And, 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 and we've been dealing with this, the five senses is our enemy. But it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. And being right with God and have the irony, which is the peace of God, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that is things that cannot be seen, but it can be expressed, but you can't see it. But it can be expressed. And I think in the last 10 years, the church has faulted so much on this to the fact, and I'll just speak for this, is because that we have, we have shoved in our whole ante in of what we can see, taste, smell, touch, or hear. And we found out that it's not the real deal. The kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness. It's being right with God, right standing. Dakasuni is a Greek word. It means just being right with God. Peace, irony, it means the connection of God. The word irony in the Greek, it means that my heart is connected to my brain. It's a funny thing. And joy in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, if, if you're right with God, and if you have peace with God, and you have joy with God, you've got it going on this morning. Because I will tell you that the church is filled with people that are not right with God, and they don't have the peace with God, and they don't have the joy of the Spirit of God. But that's why we're here this morning, is to help us remind us of what God is doing. It's not that we're better than that. I'm just beyond that. See? So what is God up to? So the first thing that I had to do, the first thing I had to do when putting this puzzle together is this. What, what do you do first? It's, it's not a trick question. The edges, the borders. The, we, we, you hunt the borders. That's the first thing I do. And I don't put puzzles together. But I knew if I didn't know what I was putting together, I thought it might have been a cat thing just for a joke, but... So, so what is God up to? So here's the borders of what he's doing in your life. 
See, the problem is, is that you're, you're wasting a lot of time and effort trying to fill in the gaps without getting the borders in line. Okay? So here's the borders. There are three things that you have to put in border of what God is doing in your life. Three things that God is doing. And you probably need to write these down. I would encourage you to write these three things down. But these are the borders of what God is doing. And then you can fill in the gaps. But some of you are wanting to fill in the gaps before you understand the borders. And no wonder it's driving you nuts. Who's playing music? Oh, I thought that was God saying it. It's time to go home. So number one, there's three, there's three terms and phrases that's used in the Bible dealing with God doing something to us, through us, and for us. Three things. Number one, it's to be justified. Justified. There's three of them. These are the borders. If you don't, if, 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 if you're trying to figure out the, the, the Trinity and the gifts of the Spirit and should I speak in tongues or should... You're, you're, you're trying to fill in the gaps and you don't understand the borders. So these, are, these borders will help you to understand what God is up to in your life. Being justified is a Greek word. It's kind of a funny word, but it means to be made right, justified. To shift something to make it right. To be made innocent. To be free from charges. There, there's long technical words to this, but to be justified, it, it evidently tells you that at one time we were not right with God. We, we have to understand it. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, and because of Adam and the sin of Adam, we've all sinned because death was handed down through Adam, and we all are sinners because of his action. So we have to understand that we are born sinners, and we need a Savior. We don't need our minds changed. We need our hearts changed. So justification, these three things are the borders and the perimeters, and then next week we're going to get to the, the end part. The inside part. Romans chapter 5. The word justified, justification, or justifying is used 37 times in the New Testament alone. 15 times in Romans. Because, well, I, I shouldn't say that. But we, the book of Romans is dealing with, with, with a pagan church. And he's telling you that it's, it's not through works, but it's justification through faith by Jesus. So listen to what he says, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So therefore, having been justified, say, being justified. It means evidently God has already done something in my life to save me. Anybody here besides me is saved. Sometimes I get aggravated because I'm talking to people that I know they're not, they're, they're not in the condition I'm in, so I just speak to myself in the third person. So therefore, Jody, being justified, I've been saved by faith. I have now peace with God through Jesus Christ. If you're justified, if God has made you innocent, if God has made you free, if God has, has shifted your sins and moved them away, then we're justified. We are in right standing with God. And not only right standing, but right-minded and where we get to work for righteousness. We're in the right position with God and one of the old translations says about Job, the King James says perfect, but the first thing it says, he was just. So evidently, the first thing it says about Job, and King James says perfect, but the, 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 the true word is just. He is in a just relationship with God. He is in a right relationship with God. 
And then it's pretty evident to see what happened in his life. So if we have been justified and saved by faith, then we have peace with God. Now this is so simply profound, it's profoundly simple. And I wrote on here, it's impossible for you to have peace with God without having the peace of God through Jesus. You cannot have peace with God without having the peace of God. It's impossible. Jesus said, freely give because you freely receive. And I don't blame you for not freely giving if you don't have never received it. But if you have received the peace of God through Jesus, because he is the person of God, that we invite him to our heart. And guess what? When that person of God comes in, he carries the attributes of God. And if we invite Jesus, which is the peace of God, he is the Prince of Peace. Anybody else read that? Amen. Isaiah? Yes. If the Prince of Peace lives within us, then Casey, doesn't it make sense that we should demonstrate the peace of God? So being justified by God, here's the borders. First thing is, if we've been justified by God and God's righteousness has made us at peace with him, then we should live a life of peace with God. Wherever we go. Everybody said, my peace I leave with you. Not the peace that the world gives you because the world doesn't have any peace, but it's my peace. And that is so important. So the first, first thing we've got to do is understand the borders is, is this. Am I saved? And I am. And if I am saved, am I exempt from problems? And the answer is no. But it's, what's funny about this, the greater the problems in my life, somehow the peace of God seems to just ooze out of me. And why is that? Is because Jesus Christ lives in my heart. Amen. Now the second one's called sanctifying. This is the second border. And the sanctified is a word called hagios, but sanctified means to set apart for a particular purpose. It means, some of you in the men's department have heard me in, in men's group, it, it means decorations and ornaments for a certain apparel. Um, I've never dressed as a woman, but there are women, we'll talk about this, but like, like hopefully that I have a blue suit on and, and I have, maybe I have a matching blue ring or who knows. Women, women are better at this because they wear a certain dress and, and, and they'll wear ornaments and decorations to accent what they have on. It used to, I used to, years ago, Casey, I'd get up, get ready for church, put a suit and tie on, and fix, walk out the door, and, and Gayla says, you're not wearing that church, are you? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm just, I'm practicing getting dressed, you know. Well, sanctification, it means that there's, there's great technical terms to this, and to be sanctified is the second border you need to understand. God has saved you for a reason. God has justified you for a reason. And once he saves you and justifies you and you are declared right or righteous, then God begins to do something in your life for a purpose. Now, let me tell you the difference between me and Rondi and our wives. Besides what is seen, we're not good looking than they are. Rondi and I can go to Walmart, Academy, Cabela's, 
and, and we can buy everything we need to dress. They got underwear, they got shoes, they got socks, they got camo shirts, they got hoodies, they got Dallas Cowboy t-shirts. I mean, we, we said, we, 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 we've got to go buy some new clothes. So we can just go, we can just go into Academy and we're good. It's a one-stop place to shop for us. That's what justification means. It's just a one-stop place. Jesus, you just go to Jesus and, and it's a done deal. But there are things called malls. And there's things called boutiques. And there's little specialty stores for women. So the question is, Gayla says, I need a new pair of shoes. Hey, I'm going to Academy. They got shoes. She said, well, I was looking for a, a, a coat. I'm going to Cabela's. They got everything. I buy everything from there. See? Women are a little different. Not all women. I'm just saying with, they have shoe stores. They got purse stores. Yeah, laugh because she's not with you. Go ahead, buddy. You're brave. <laughs> they, got, they got jewelry stores. They got all these stores with specific items. So what it is is that you don't go to one store like me and Rondi does and get it all. They, they got all these thousands of little stores that they go to to get specific things, whether it be makeup or chicken feet. Every store specializes in something different. Sanctification, unlike justification, is this. Justification is a one-stop. You can just be saved one time. One time. That's it. One time. You cannot, if you're born again of God, you cannot lose your salvation. I'll argue with that. Now, maybe some of these people never were saved, and that's a great argument, and I'll argue that one. But I will tell you, you can only be justified once, but sanctification is a process. It's ongoing. Now watch this. And I know that you want to be... And so he uses words like cleanse, purge, purify, wash, prepare, make ready, and a ton of other synonyms in the Bible dealing with sanctification. When you read stuff like this, doesn't it kind of... Kind of arouse your spiritual ears to saying that this is about a relationship between a man and a woman. Somebody is preparing his bride. If we are the bride of Christ, which we are, I mean, is, is this not what's going on, that he justified this? Why did he justify it? Because he said, I'm preparing you for my son. He is the groom and we are the bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ. Now, some of you may not know that, may be shocking, but maybe you need to relearn and open your Bible. This is what this is about. He uses this analogy about the wedding, and, and we'll get to Revelations next week. But when you hear about this stuff, cleansing and purging and purifying and washing, and where we were for catheter, it means to, to catheter, it means to get all this toxic poison out of us, make ready, prepare. He's saying that not only did I justify you and called you and saved you, but I saved you for a purpose. And before that purpose can be cultivated, that we become the bride of Christ, which we are not yet, he said, I'm going to do something to you. I'm going to cleanse you, purge you, purify, wash you, prepare you, make you ready. And, and you're not going to get it at one time. You're going to, as sanctification is, there are different places and different events and different stores and different time periods that you can get these things 
But as you go through life, sanctification is this working out of what God's desire. Why does he do this? Because he does this in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 verse 5. He does this for his good pleasure. Somebody asked me a while back, how many weddings have I ever done? And I've done a bunch. I don't know. A bunch. 300, 400, I don't know. A bunch. But this is what I can tell you. Now watch this. Especially here, I can assure you, when that woman walks, out, walks down the aisle, she has taken a lot more preparation getting ready than this knucklehead standing beside me. <laughs> he shows up with flip-flops on. Think about it. Now just, just bear with me. Sanctification is this, that God is doing something to you. He's called you. Well, great. He's justified you. We all know that. A chimp at Frank Buck Zoo should know that. But now then, that God has taken you. And sanctifying grace is, is this, it's this process, and it's from one store to the next. It's one deal to the next. And you say, well, why can't I just get it all in one place? Because it doesn't work that way. It's the process. And God has, says, you know, like Gayla says, she said, I'm going to stop at a shoe place and took her to Norman. It's called Dallas Shoes or something. And, but there are specific stores for specific commodities. And maybe where you're at today, you're wondering, what God or what are you up to? And this is what God's saying. He said, I'm doing something to you. I'm preparing you. And that woman that walks through that door, I'll tell you, that there's tremendous amount of work and preparation and makeup and cosmetic and hairspray and everything, is, it, 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 it took more than three minutes. God's working on you. God wants to make you be beautiful for his son. If we are the bride of Christ, whether this excites you or not, but the truth of this is this, that God is preparing us for his son Jesus. And I will tell you that, that the church that I see that sometimes is she walks in the back door and her dress is half ripped and she's got blood coming out of one nostril and has got a black eye, a black eye. The church has been fighting again. That's not the picture of what God is preparing his church for his son. He's purging us. He's cleansing us. He's sanctifying us. He's washing us. He's preparing us. He's making us ready for his son Jesus. It's a wonderful concept. So you can't get it all at one place. You can't get it all at one time. It's process. But little by little, you're better than you was a year ago. I am. Turn to somebody and say, you're better looking than you was a year ago. And so the last one is, the last border we'll put up today is called glorified. Justified, sanctified, glorified. The word glorified in the Greek is, is, is basically doxa. And, and doxa means to show off or to bring more attention to someone. Yeah, doxa. Uh, glory, honor, magnify, uh, the... The, the spiritual term means to, to glorify you. Jesus said in John 15, John 2, John 17, he said, Father, I've glorified you. What does that mean? I glorified you. Well, in the technical term of, of, of the language 
if you're religious, it means to magnify, to honor. But, but in, in, in the natural word, in the natural terms, it means to show off. To bring more attention to. Okay, so here we go. God justified us. God took our sins that, to justify, sometimes we use in a newspaper, is to, to rack the, the, the reels correctly. Justify the margins to get them back on track. Even a typewriter, you justify the margins. So he gets us back on track. And number two, he, he's doing something in our life. He's working on us. We're not the same knucklehead we used to be. Different stores, different places, different people. God will send you to different people because different people can do different things to you. Now, some people are like elevators. They can either take you up or take you down. But I will tell you, in the business of God, He is taking you to places and people that is working on you to glorify God. So, glorified means to bring more attention to. So, here's, here's, the, here's the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. That's what Paul says about this. For I think that God has said for us, as the apostles last, that if we are appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and unto the angels and to men. Leave that up for a moment. He said, of all people, is it possible? He said, we've been appointed to death, but I know one thing for sure. Watch this. My whole life has been a spectacle. Your whole life, if you're born again of God, has been a spectacle to the world to the underworld, to the heavenly world, and to all men. You see, the word spectacle is a Greek word where we, for theatron. Theatron is where we get a word for theater. The idea to be glorified, it means to put the spotlight on, to be center stage. The word glorify means to be the, the star on the stage. So if you're the star on the stage, then all the lights are on you. God is showing you off. God is parading you. The word spectacle, Paul said, I figured this out. Of all the mess that I was going through, I figured this out at the end of my life before I tasted death. Everything that I've been through and everything I've ever experienced, I figured this out, that God put me center stage to the world, to the underworld, to the heavenly world, and to all mankind. And you ask the question this, Jordan hit the music, you ask the question this, then, then why? Is because the true definition as we leave is what's this, Theatron was a place where wages was made. Theatron was a gambling place. It was a place where men would go into competition. Two would go in, one would come out alive. It was the arena. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I figured it out my whole life. Before I taste death, I want you to understand that my whole life has been glorified. God has put my life on center stage 
that everybody can read about me, everybody can watch me, and even in the year 2021, people are still talking about me, and this is the deal. But make no mistake about it, Theatron wasn't just a Broadway musical. Michael Theatron was a place where people waged and said this, he won't make it. He'll never survive it. My money is on this one. And the other crowd said, my money is on this one. And bets were made, wages was cast, and the two opponents came in, and one survived and one did not. Theatron was a place where it was an open spectacle that not only the natural world could see, but the heavenly world could see, and the underworld could see. And watch this, Paul said, I figured it out, lest hell was betting against me. Demons waged against me. They knew my past. They knew my, my, my frailties. They knew my imperfections. They knew everything about me. And when I got into the arena of following Jesus, my life has been a spectacle. Then my family said, you'll never make it. My in-law says, you're a fool. My friends that I work says that you're following a fairy tale and all these things. And he said, my whole life is being a spectacle. People were waging against me that I would never make it. I told you this a long time ago, and I know there's a lot of people gone. But I mean, the first time I had service over in Broadlawn, I mean, a guy walked in. He was a pressurer of a big organization. And this is what he said. He said, you will never make this work. I give it six weeks. He lied. See, what happens is people, whether you know it or not, there are more people betting and hoping you'll fail than people that are hoping that you'll succeed. Oh, that sounds weird, don't it? There's people you work with that can't wait for you to slip and fall. So you say, see there, I told you it was all make-believe and fairy tale. So the apostle Paul said, my whole life is this. I've been on center stage. And the world is watching how I react. And I hear the wages in the crowd saying, he'll never make it. He'll never amount to be anything. He'll, he'll, he'll never survive this because he comes from North Carolina, South Carolina. Oh yeah, the North Carolinas, he'll never make it. But the great thing about this, watch this. God says, you've already won. You've already won through my son Jesus. So you go back on stage, you live your life, you, you present the gospel, you be kind to people, you, you love one another, but don't pay any attention to the people that are betting against you because they're going to lose. You've already won through Christ. Because remember, the Bible says that through Christ, he causes us always to triumph. And all triumph is, is a little triumph with a lot of um. My whole life has been on stage. Kathy's been on stage. But it's not on stage like you think it's on stage. Every morning when I get up, hell has heartburn. Because hell says, here's a man that has the ability to move people closer to Jesus. You're on stage. 
and people and spirits and demons are betting you won't make it. Now here's the last thought. What's this? God had already formed his destiny concerning you long before others formed their opinions about you. And if there's one thing that you, if you don't get anything out of this today, these three borders, remember God had already formed his destiny concerning you long before somebody formed their opinion about you. So the three borders that what is God up to? He's up to something. He's up to something. What is he doing? He's preparing us for his son Jesus. He puts us on display. And remember what he talked about, Job? Job is the oldest book that we know. But this is what him, the conversation of Satan and God said, have you observed my man Job? He said, observed him? Yeah, we've watched him, but I can't do anything about it. You see, we're no different than Job. If, if he was just, and we are just, sometimes God puts us on center stage, and he said the same thing. Have you observed my servant Virgil? Well, yeah, I can't touch him. And God said, I'll just let you and him get in a big old head-button contest, and you can wage against him, but I will tell you, he's already won through my son Jesus. And I'll put him on center stage and let the whole world watch him. Respectables. People are watching. Heaven is watching. And they're waging against us, the demons are, but we've already won through Jesus. The puzzle, it was too dear with a butterfly in it. Crazy. It like to drove me crazy. But we'll find out in a week, next week, about we're going to fill in the gaps what God is doing. So the three borders is this. I've been justified. I'm being sanctified. And God loves to show me off. He likes to show me that if he's for me, nobody can be against me. Amen. Father, everything that you have planned for your church, your elect, that we are living in times where it seems like that, that things are folding like bad lawn chairs. But why is it that the peace of God and the strength of God is growing stronger and stronger in a degree the greater the opposition? And so I just pray for everyone that's in this place this morning. We, we can't control what's not here, but we can't control what is here that these are the borders of what you're doing. I don't know anything much about the tribulation. I don't know much about the second coming when. I don't know much about this and that. I, I have no control over the middle parts and the gaps, but I've got to make sure I get the borders right. And then we'll fill in the blanks. You've justified us, and now we have peace with God. I have peace right in the midst of COVID. I got peace right in the midst of, of a mess. Because Jesus is the King of Peace, the Prince of Peace. He lives within me. You're sanctifying us. You're taking me to different places and areas and events in my life 
And lo and behold, I found things that I needed that I, I couldn't find at a one-stop place. We're being shaped more into the image of Jesus. You're preparing us as a bride adorned for her husband. And lastly, you've you put us on center stage. You're shoving us out there on center stage, and the world is betting against us. The world is laughing and waging that we'll never survive. Our marriage won't last. Our lives won't last. Hell itself is betting against us that we'll give up. But this morning, you're proving to us that your grace is abundant for all of our needs. So as we leave this place here this morning, you're up to something, and that something is for our good. And we're thankful for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that God's up to something good, stand and give the Lord a praise offering, would you please? Huh? That's the borders. So next week when it's 65, we'll go into detail about putting in the inner parts. Don't get confused. Don't get lost. Don't get mixed up. Don't follow things and follow dreams and don't do it. God loves to show us off his children. If God had an icebox, our picture would be on it. If God carried a billfold, our picture would be at the front. He loves to glorify us. He loves to show us off. My little grandkids, Anna and Alex, I, I just love to go somewhere and, and show them off. You see, God's up to something. It's a personal relationship with an eternal king who has a son. And we are his bride. And he is preparing us. He's washing us. He's purging us. He's grooming us. That that bride takes a lot more preparation to get things in order before she walks down the aisle. That's what God's doing to us. So as we leave this place this morning, I just want you to understand this concept. He loves you so much that He loves to glorify you. He loves to show you all. So Father, the borders that we assemble this morning, it kind of puts our, our salvation and our walk our eternal hope into perspective. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for justifying us. Thank you for putting us back into the correct margins of righteousness, a right standing of just being right with you. Because I'm right with you, I have peace with you. Thank you for the process of sanctifying. I'm, I'm, I'm better than I was five years ago. I'm more like Jesus than I was. The longer the hen sets on the egg, she knows one day it'll develop to look just like the Father. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that broods over us. And thank you for loving us 
and showing us off. And thank you for already giving us the battle. That night, Jesus sat with his disciples in the best way that he could. He explained this, this wonderful sacrament. He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the, the ordinances of the cup and the bread. But it's a little bit different. This bread represents my body broken for you. Your broken dreams, your broken lives, your broken hearts. Just... As often as you take this bread, it will remind you of me. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the taking the blood of a lamb and putting it on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But he said, now then, this is the New Testament lamb. And I will take my own blood and I will place it on the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time you take this cup and you partake of this bread, it will remind you of me. So this morning, Father, we pray that we will be reminded of what you're doing in our lives. Bless this cup. Bless this bread. In Jesus' name. Amen.